Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talk, talk. Let's do our first one now. I'm excited. Right at the end of blood orange season. I'm going to be missing them. Very sad. No, you're not. You have watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's March's favorite. This episode all about the watermelon. I was running and it made me so thirsty because you were talking about hydration. I was like, I have to get back. Yeah. Something. It's literally water in your bloodstream. It, yeah. It's so good with tequila, too. It's just the best with tequila. Watermelon running, running. Are we? Can we cheers? Can we actually start this yes. episode now? I'd like to. Yes. Hey, so we say Steegy Bayou. Steegy Bayou. Zapotec toast. Ooh, Steegy Bayou. I love that. Okay, I'm sorry. You said a what a what toast? Zapotec. Um, Zapotec. Yes, it's toast. one of the indigenous languages spoken in this area of Mexico. So, so uh, several of the families that we work with. Don't speak Spanish. They speak Zapotec or one of the oh, wow. indigenous languages. Yeah, so we use Stigi Bayou. It means to your health, to the health of your family, to Mother Earth, and to our connectedness. Wow. I, I love like that. that. <laughs> We're going to have to take that and run with it. I, I fully support it. It's a good toast. Welcome, so- everybody, to Team Tequila Talks. <laughs> we have our host, Sherryon Gonzalez, Cassandra Junamel. Our resident guest host, who you all know and love, Mark Strong from the House of Strong. And I'm actually going to let you do your proper introduction, Jen, but Jen Oakley from, I'm already going to butcher this, mm-hmm. Del Magui. Del Magui. Del Magui. Yeah. Oh, Del Magui. You know, easier. Del it's actually you know easier. What? Exactly. We are here to learn, <laughs> as we like to do here at Team Tequila Talks, and you seem incredibly educated right off the bat. Well, so thank you. hit us with the good stuff. I mean, this is what I talk about every single day. Um, so yeah, I'm Jen Oakley. I'm uh, the Southwest Wes for Del Magui Single Village Mezcal. Uh, Wes translates to judge. It comes from a tradition of parties in Oaxaca. There's always sort of a designated Wes, and it's the Wes's job to keep uh, copitas full of mezcal. So that's what I do. I... So it's like a beer bitch. I, I, sure. Yes. It's, like some, <laughs> it's like an honorary, like it's an honor, yes, not a, I not. lost my fantasy football league exactly. and then forced to provide beer for everybody. Yes. Right. <laughs> more, more spiritual, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we drinking? Okay. So um, we're starting with the Del Miguel Vida de Muertos. Um, so Del Miguel, just to tell you about the title since we are, I've already kind of stumbled on that. Um, Del Miguel literally just means from the agave, like super simple and pure. Single village mezcal is a really important part of our title because we really approach I, y'all mentioned wine before I think Mark was craving wine um, we <laughs> actually wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that we actually kind of um, approach this like wine this is very terroir driven right so all the vocabulary words that we use when we talk about wine like what is the soil what is the elevation what's the sunlight you know what does this producer do um, what's the microclimate all these things translate directly to mezcal so we're starting with the Vida de Muertos, which is our newest one. I'm really excited to share this with you all. Um, it's 100% Esparin, which is the most commonly used agave variety for mezcal. It's from the village of San Luis del Rio. Um, have you all read Vida before? That's the one that people yeah. know mostly, yes, yes, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so th- in a nutshell, you could look at this as like high proof Vida. Vida's 42% ABV. This is 45% ABV, oh. but all the production notes are the same. Um, same village, same producers, Pasiano and his son Marcos. Um, 
This just comes from what Pasiano would make for his village for uh, Dia de los Muertos. So that's why the name, um, you know, his classic expression is 47% ABV, which is high. So he dials it down to a responsible 45, 45. <laughs> <laughs> for two days of drinking. So I that's love where that. this came from. Yeah. Wait, so this is, okay, so a lot of people drink the Reposado, Anejo. Where would this fall on a spectrum for mezcal? Great question. So um, it's hard to see in our clay coat pieces. I don't know if you can see it at home. We're drinking out of, uh, these are sort of Del Maguey like icon. These are modeled after something called jicaras, which is which you will typically drink out of if you're at a palenque, uh, side of distillation in Oaxaca. But um, it's hard to tell in these, but this is all clear, right? So mm-hmm. by law, you know, there are different laws that, you know, I, I heard you mentioning on a previous episode, you know, about the DOs, like where it's from. You and Annie were talking about that. By law, you can put mezcal in an oak barrel, right, and call it reposado or añejo or extra añejo, but it's not traditional because, you know, they've been making mezcal for over 400 years, and if you think about, you know, Oaxaca 400 years ago, there wasn't easy access to oak barrels. It was, like, not a thing to put Mm -hmm. it in oak barrels. So there are brands that do that, and they do it beautifully. We don't do that. Um, we th- These are aged at all, which they, these all are. They are rested in glass, um, but traditionally it's glass or clay underground. So they do kind of evolve uh, in glass because there's a little bit of oxygen in there. But these do not see barrels. These are just glass. Pure glass. So, mm-hmm. so do they shake it for the oxygen to get in there? No, it, th- they don't really need to. It's just kind of like at the top, right? Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's all it is. Okay, wow. So then this would all be just... The same flavor or different flavor Great notes, question. like because we have three <coughs> bottles here. We yes. have yes, and so yes. if you're looking, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see them. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. yeah. But tell us a little bit about the family or the range of tequila or mezcal specifically yeah. that we're working with here. Yeah, sure. So um, have y'all done a mezcal on the show before? No. Oh, not officially, not no. Officially. I think we might have sampled one at some point, but we have not featured a mezcal. Awesome. Okay, so, you know, mezcal by definition is any distillate of the agave plant, right? But I know we were, I, again, I was listening to some other episodes. Mm-hmm. I know you talked about Blue Weber agave for tequila, right? Mm-hmm. That's all you can make. Mm-hmm. That's all you can use uh, to make tequila. Mezcal is really exciting because you can actually use technically any kind of agave, and there's over 200 different species. Um, there's roughly between, uh, there's about 45 that are actually being used for distillation, and you can think of it like grapes for wine, right? If we're talking about wine again. Um, <laughs> like each plant kind of has an inherent flavor quality, but depending on where it's grown and who's making the mezcal, it can really vary from bottle to bottle and village to village. So. That's the thing. Our full title is Del Miguel Single Village Mezcal. We don't make mezcal. We're buying it from these families in remote villages that have already been making it for generations. So the first one is Vida de Muertos. This is a semi-tropical microclimate. It's Esparin. Um, again, that most commonly used agave variety. Um, the second one that we're going to try is a really important bottle. This is Chichicapa. Fun name. It's I named like Sounds that. Sounds <laughs> Sounds important. Yeah, this one, you know, this is this bottle, Del Miguel and this bottle, this was our first. This came out in 1995. That's original. Um, yeah, exactly. It was founded by Ron Cooper. This one kind of paved the way for this artisanal mezcal movement that we're in now. This one, you know, Del Miguel has really been considered the pioneer um, of this sort of era of mezcal. It's because of this bottle. This was the first one. Mm. And then third, we're going to taste some Tobala. Tobala, these are both Espadín from different villages and different families. The third one, Tobala, is 
as a different agave species. Oh. It's wild and rare and tiny. We call it the truffle of the agave world. Just like Sherry, wild, rare, and tiny. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> um, and that's made by Rogelio in the Sierra Norte region. So a, di- a different family, different agave, um, just kind of a different category. So I wanted to bring three that kind of represent different areas of our portfolio because we have about 20 different expressions. So mm-hmm. are we starting strong or are we starting smooth? What's the progression here? We are, we're going to kind of, we're going, we're starting light in okay. our world. So traditionally, okay. mezcal is between 45 and 55% ABV, yes. which is high, yes. right? But we're starting at an easy 45%. You know what, we go, go we go light here. <laughs> easy. Mm. One of the first things I always like to ask our tequila experts, do you think that it should be sipped? If so, would you like to chase it? We have a, we have a lovely I platter see. of blood oranges here. So we're, they're just about to go out of season. Or do you like making cocktails with it? And, and I don't think that there's a wrong answer here. It's I, what's your preference? Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm of the belief, if it's your mezcal, drink it how you want it, right? I never try to tell somebody how to do it. Vita de Muerto, since you, you, know, you all have had Vita before, that one is traditionally kind of put into cocktails. It's great on its own, but it's sort of built for cocktails. This one kind of walks that line where it's really beautiful on its own, but it's not sort of like blasphemous to put this into right you know what i mean um i I love seeing vita at a bar because a lot of times you'll go to an event or something we've done an episode on uh open bars before but you go to an event and especially a few years ago before mezcal became a thing as you mentioned we're now at this movement of artisanal mezcal but before it was a thing you'd go to a bar and you'd see Vita and you'd go, wait a minute, but that's a, it's Cuervo or Vita? That's a really nice mezcal. How come it's included in this? And because they'd always say, well, it's the only one we have. Yes. And so you'd end up lucking out getting this nice, amazing mezcal that could be straight or in a cocktail. And it is probably normally sitting on a shelf that's higher than what an open bar is paying for. So that was my mezcal sneaky trick for a long time. I love that. Well, you know, Vita, it was the first sort of craft cocktail grade mezcal on the market it came out in 2010 this was the first artisanal mezcal you could get in the u.s at all and before that i mean there was mezcal in the u.s before that right but it's sort of like novelty like had the worm in it right and that whole thing you know that was back when that was like bougie tequila i know when i was growing up and parent had like a worm in it i was like that must be expensive (laughs) (laughs) is it just the opposite or is it no i thought it was it's that was sort of a marketing ploy from like the mid-century that's that's what i thought yeah it's not really um it's not really like the traditional thing to do. <laughs> I know. I found that out when I got to college. <laughs> you know, they say eat the worm, you'll hallucinate, that whole thing. It's, you know, it's kind not of, a thing. But not, great marketing, though. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, people still ask about it. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you last time I saw a worm in a bottle and people still ask about the worm, you know? So it was clever. I totally got, a, I don't know what question. I got went off on a tangent. That happens a lot here. It does. Talks and as we, we keep start drinking, drinking tequila, yes. this 45%, man. Yes. This is, by the way, we haven't said if we liked it or not. It's delicious. delicious. Let's do the chichicapa. Let's do the chichicapa. Oh, you were asking me how to drink it. So we're sipping Mm, these neat today. So this one is definitely a sipper. The next one, I'm going to pass this bottle over to you so I'm not pouring over the equipment. Um, Again, I, you know, and I love like orange. A lot of people will do like a salto gusano, which is like a, you know, kind of like a spice salt with, you know, the worm in it and everything. Um, I typically drink these just neat like this. Um, Again, of course, chichicapa would make a beautiful cocktail, but it's not really, 
it doesn't really do justice to, you know, yes, the work that's you. gone into I always this. sip that one. Yeah, that's kind of what it, to me, this is sort of perfect mezcal. This is just gold standard because it was the first. Obviously, there's no way that mezcal is supposed to taste. Like, you have this huge variation in how they can taste, but mm. yes. That one's more potent. <laughs> I would say it more is. potent. It is 48%. Oh, we went up 3%. We went up. We're jumping. We're climbing. It's good. Oh, but that's nice, though. It yeah. is still yeah. smooth. I it's think sometimes with mezcals, it's a little like you're drinking uphill. And I love a mezcal margarita because I think the smoke complements the lime really well. Mm -hmm. And just it, there's a sweet and salty and smoky blend for a complex but drinkable cocktail. But if you're drinking alone, or drinking alone, if you're drinking the <laughs> mezcal, we're going to a dash <laughs> of bitters no, and a little spice is good too. If right. you're drinking the mezcal alone, it can be a little bit, it can pack a punch. It can Absolutely. taste a little bit like you are, if you get the wrong mezcal, it can taste like you're putting your mouth on an exhaust pipe. Right. Mm -hmm. What I try to avoid those. Right. What I like to do when I don't want to drink too much and I am like, my husband's out of town, I'm with my kid and I just want to really, but I want something like more than just wine and more than just like a mixed drink. I'll just do a mezcal because I sip it so slow and watch like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or something. And it's, you actually cannot drink that much. Yeah. When you just kind of have it like on on the rocks or just like straight neat, you Speak actually for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like after two, I'm like, okay, I got what I needed. I came, I saw, I conquered. It's time for bed, but you can wake up the next morning like bright and early. Oh yeah, the, so, there's like no virtually no hangover with mezcal. It's you know people you can get like organic put on the label right but you pay for that and ron cooper our founder always says he's like this is pre-organic they've been making this i have a question yes. about organic I, this was, was one of my thing. questions yes. this is one of my questions i was looking up the company the other day and it did not say organic mm -hmm. but I, I saw that it said that it was like indigenous mm -hmm. and i was like why don't they have an organic label on this because i would be like this is from the people this is from the land this is from like the beginnings of time why wouldn't you say like old method organically grown and i that's a question so we the first part of everything you said we do say right like yeah. they've been doing this for you know generations it's you know this is the indigenous spirit of these people ron kind of looked at that so because to get organic on the label you have to pay and because we have so many villages and so many families with whom we work ron just said you know this is pre-organic i'm not going to do that or not going through that process i don't need that on the label that's the thing about mezcal it really is sort of a hand sell to people right you really have to have these conversations and taste it because it's a confusing category it's really big and it's you know people are still learning i love that you are y'all are doing this podcast yes. because there's so much to talk about with this so we just opted out of the organic. But it label. is, but you can, but you can still be organic without a label. For all intents and because I do it's feel an like organic process, right? Yeah. It's an it's organic like, plant. Well, it's like you can grow your own fruits and vegetables organically, but if you sell it at the farmers market, you can't necessarily because you didn't buy the tag. So I do. Yeah. I wanted to make that distinction because I did read that just to be like, this is all natural. I mean, all natural tequila is pretty much what we have on the show most of the time. We don't have a natural tequila. Yeah, besides that one, besides <laughs> that one, maybe two episodes. We had a couple episodes where we were trying to Diversify. look at the roots of tequila <laughs> and that. figure out where where the modern day tequila comes from. Like, what, where's the journey? How did we get here? Yeah, and homage to the. I mm -hmm. gotta say that usually you want to go with the improvements yeah. for a reason. It's <laughs> yeah. tough to. You know, it's tough to stick to something traditional if it's not working. But this looks like it is, or this seems like it is to me anyway. And you said 400 years. Yes. Is that correct? So that's older than me, correct. 
<laughs> yeah, so they've been making this a long time. There's new papers coming out saying that, like, this. So distillation as we know it today basically started in what is modern-day Pakistan. And with Mexico, we have, you know, thought for a long time that um, sailors from the Philippines came and brought distillation. But there's new um, studies that say it actually might predate them. They've been doing this. I mean, they still... Like, we have a work with a family that still distills in clay pots. Like, it's like a flower pot. Wow. It's really incredible. And it's just, that's, they're really proud of their heritage, right? Like, they, they of course, could update some of these things, but they never would because that's not the style of their family and their village. I mean, I'm not, not going to say they never would. If they want right. to, of course, we of support course. them. Of course, yeah. But typically, they're really um, proud of the tradition of how they distill. And so much about the world today is that it's so fast, and we knock down our historical buildings. Like, you know, you could go to Spain or Italy or Mexico. They just don't knock down the things that are part of their history and I feel like something like this why would you want to change I think yeah. the part of the charm and the reason why it tastes so damn good is because they're still making you know we we're talking about bread when your grandma made bread you never got fat but then when you bought bread at like the grocery store you started getting fat that, that's like a nutshell of that we don't I don't think if you eat bread you're fat I'm yeah. just it's all the process. It's the right? process. Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> I eat bread. We gotta start whipping out the disclaimers after we start drinking. Here. Uh, no, well, so Cassandra goes down her deep hole. Deep, Don't deep. take our medical advice. Don't take our legal advice. We're gonna get into this in a minute. Don't take our tax advice. Ooh, <laughs> take it all. It's free. No, do not. Do, do not listen to Sherry on here. But I will say what's great with this one, because it is my favorite mezcal. Because my dear friend Annie gifted it to me. Oh. But I tried it before she did. Um, no, but this one is really good. Like a spicy mint margarita situation. I was just about like a to mint ask tea, you. But like it's really spicy, like really nice with the spice bitters. Mint in a cucumber situation. I love that you said that because, th th I mean, that just shows you have a you have a good palate. Because that's honestly the tasting notes that I give for this. And, you know, we look for the roastiness. There's citrus but dried mint on the end of this, right? That long, yes. soft finish. I love that you picked up mint as a natural pairing. Um, yeah. It seems like it would go good with spicy foods to have the mint effect after mm -hmm. a spicy yeah. food. Ooh, mint. Spicy food and fish. And I was just mm -hmm. about to ask you, Mark, what type of cocktail you would construct with this because Mark is our resident wellness mixologist i would say because yep. he's not just dumping a bunch of fruits into a tequila or a mezcal he is putting recipes together with a purpose meaning anti-inflammatory or boosting certain vitamins or certain responses in your body and smirk is the expert so cucumber and mint so like a cucumber like a mint margarita cucumber juice yes with mint so cucumber is your hydrator just like you said watermelon you sounded thirsty the other time you listened but I would definitely do cucumber meant for your gut, digestion system, nausea, and then also for your metabolism, cayenne, and also for a spice and some fun. Oh. Did you know cayenne is really good for your metabolism? Yes. It is. It yeah. quickens that shit up. Um, trust me, I'm in your tum. <laughs> look, sometimes, look, when it ain't moving down there, I'm like cayenne in the soup, cayenne on the eggs. Or if you want to keep it simple, nothing. <laughs> Spice with the mint notes would actually balance each other out really well because I always like, I, I like complex drinks. I like the fancy shit. I yeah. like sitting down at, um, at, at a restaurant and turning to a bartender and saying, let me have a little conversation with you. Here's what I want to order tonight. I would like this, not this, and let's talk about pairings, and I'm going to have three different cocktails, and I want you to help work design my menu because I, I want sorry. drinking to be an experience. <laughs> yes. yes, and I will say this. At Olivetta, they have a cucumber mezcal, 
And when I'm sitting there, we'll order like eight of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mark, you could have made this at home. That's for a little like- spa water goes down a little bit. Too. <laughs> I know. I know. Like it always tastes better when somebody else makes it. Though. Yes. You know, and it being out of your home environment sometimes, I don't know. I love a scene. I love people. I love energy. Sometimes yeah. you just got to be out. Well, and that's, you know, that's my background. I come from, a, I bartended in LA for 10 years before I did this. Oh, so, where did you bartend? Oh my gosh. I opened Scopa. I worked at Black Market. I worked at Miller's Umbrella Company. Oh. I worked at I Grossier's love Scopa. Madre. I Scopa's frequent amazing. all of those places. I, I probably <laughs> I made Black Market for you. yesterday, or Monday. That's, I've, I've worked all over. Gosh, I know I'm missing places too. Waterloo and City, um, that's now closed, unfortunately. But, so that, I mean, that was my background. And I really think that Mezcal, like, I love that, people are into cocktails with this, right? Because to me, this is a really versatile spirit. First of all, like, it's a clear spirit, right? It'll definitely go into tequila cocktails. It's gonna I'm make trying it, it with the orange do while it. you're talking. Just, Please. Just to see what it tastes like if we're mixing it with fruit. Sorry. I hope it makes the orange in this Moscow pop for you. I, you can replace it uh, with gin cocktails, but it's full-bodied enough to stand up in a whiskey cocktail, right? Like, you can do a Oaxacan Old Fashioned. A paper plane with Mezcal is delicious. You know, Ooh. I really have yet to put it into a drink where it doesn't work. What about a Mexican firing squad? It would be beautiful in a Mexican firing mm, squad. If you can get a good Mexican firing squad, and you'd probably be able to list off the ingredients better than I could, mm-hmm. but I, just, I find that if you just get a standard one, they tend to be a bit too sweet for me. But I think that if you got one with quality ingredients with a mezcal, it might offset some of that. Yeah, because, I mean, the, my, the Mexican firing squad that I learned is high alcohol. It's two and a half ounces of booze in it and then a ton of Angostura. So if it's too sweet, somebody's making it wrong. It should yeah. honestly be a like, drier, stronger It should side. be, right? Mm-hmm. Nightclubs. <laughs> well, I just want to move you along and get the vibe up, so everybody's dancing around on a sugar high. <laughs> I used to, I, re, I used to work in a nightclub for a long time, and so they wanted to have this mixology concept to it. But at the end of the day, a nightclub is busy, and they don't have time to put the time into those cocktails. No, they're fast they pour. Should. They do fast pour. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to bartend very for a very short time at. Q's Billiard in Westwood. Oh my gosh, I know Q's. I've, oh, I've, yeah. I've had some nights at Q's. Oh yeah, and I and I did briefly like four months, and it's just you're pouring so fast, and someone's like, "Can you curate?" You're like, mm, "No, back to the line." Vodka like, soda, tequila yeah, soda, cranberry vodka. You, you like, double lime if you tip. <laughs> Wait, does it count if I'm a bartender at home? You are a bartender, I Mark. So. I told you, you're a wellness mixologist. This is a real thing for I mean, you. Yeah, especially after the pandemic, right? I think yeah. a lot of people really brushed up on their at-home bartending skills. You know, yeah. it became like a whole thing. Oh. It was really. We learned lots of skills during the pandemic, but I think we're still in the pandemic, right? Or no? If I you in what? Are we still in the pandemic or no? I think it depends where you're at. I think it, it depends on the region in which you reside. But in this room, we are pandemic free. How about in that? In this room, we are pandemic free. <laughs> Jen, what's your favorite cocktail? Um, I've... That's a great question. I, I have a couple. I can't just narrow it down to one. It's like people always ask me, what's your favorite mezcal? I'm like, probably what's in my cup right now because well, I fall in love with I them. I need more in my cup yes, right let's now. Try the so tobola. let's try the And as we're trying, is it tobola or tobola? Um, I say tobola. Um, some people say tobala. Again, so, you know, I talked about the Zapotec language earlier, right? Um, because the language has developed sort of differently in different areas. Sure. The names for the agaves vary. The accents vary. Dialects um, and exactly. spellings and all of that stuff. Exactly. And again, I'm just I'm like, it's your mezcal. Say it how you want. <laughs> I like that <laughs> attitude. That's a great <laughs> attitude. Love it. CG Bayou. CG Bayou. CG Bayou. CG Bayou. So to me, this one is smoother on the front 
but more complex on the back. I love that. So this is a 46% ABV mezcal. This, to my knowledge, is the first single bottle, like single varietal bottling of a mezcal that was available in the U.S. This came out in 1996. This is made by Rogelio in uh, Santa Maria Alboradas in the Sierra Norte region. It's really high altitude, really rocky soil, beautiful local mountain water, all these things that you think about when you think about the mountains. Think about that when you drink this mezcal. And this is that tiny, that tiny agave, right? This, uh, this is the tobola. It's um, about 18 years old before, re before they can even harvest it. And whereas Espadine, this is a pretty large agave, right? But Tobola is really tiny. It's about, the piñas, the hearts, are only about 20 pounds. So it takes a ton of these plants to make this bottle. So it's just oh, really wow. special, really beautiful. Again, I wanted to bring something that kind of represented different areas of our portfolio. And we have a whole line of wild agave mezcals, and this was the first oh, of that I line. I love that. So we'll say this is tiny but mighty? Tiny but mighty. Also tiny like Sherry. Also <laughs> like This might be your brand, Sherry. It might be. <laughs> so we were mentioning microclimates, and that comes up a lot in wineries and vineyards. Mm -hmm. For people that don't know what that is, we've got the overall climate, which means it's sunny in California, and it's probably pretty snowy in Quebec. And those are going to be your overall overarching climates. But a microclimate is going to be even down to which side of the hill does the sun rise and set on, or which way does a natural river flow on which side. It can be very, very specific. You seem to know a lot about that. Going into this, I was like, I can't get too nerdy. I can really go down these rabbit no, holes. No, nerd out get with nerdy. us. Get nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> get nerdy. Um, it can be a little alienating sometimes. It, yes, all of those things matter, even with this village, right? With uh, Santa Maria Alboradas, we have another expression called Santo Domingo Alboradas. Same mountain, different side of the mountain. Um, they get, one of them is like shrouded in fog and mist, you know, and the other side gets more sun. So all these things that, you know, the temperature is going to matter because that can really affect how quickly the agave is going to mature the soil right the plant is taking in whatever is in that soil so if you have this area that has really rocky slaty soil you're going to get that um, also open air fermentation so all of these are open air fermented which means after the agave is roasted and milled when they put it into the fermentation tank they add about 10 percent local water so again that's going to inform flavor we know traveling around water tastes different in different places but then they just leave it open and they let mother nature do her thing so that means if there's fruit growing or trees flowering or if the next village is roasting chilies whatever's happening in that village at that time is gonna impart flavor so that's why these are really special i, I always tell the story how i had this bartender in venice that once held up a bottle of vita and he said jen vita tastes different all the time and i was like yeah you know that's something we really celebrate we're not trying to make it taste like a certain thing it's going to taste different from season to season and year to year you know, we always make sure the quality is of very course. good. That's a really good fact. I like that. Yeah, yeah. because I feel like, you know, you can do, you can, you know, I call it the Mars bar line, like the Hershey company. You get, you know, your Snickers and your Kit Kat and everything kind of tastes similar, just with a different flair. Or you can go to some chocolatier and get some handmade chocolate. Vegan chocolate is the best chocolate you've ever had in your life. And it probably won't ever taste the same, but you know it's good for you and you know it's clean. And I like that. I love that comparison. That's a beautiful yeah. comparison. Yeah. So if people are going, you've sold them, they're now heading to their store to pick up a bottle. I, I mean, just looking at these three, I would say that this one is more for cocktails, this one's more of a sipper, and this would be a fun thing to bring up to a party and talk about. I think you nailed it. I think that's a really good description of these. Do we work for Vita now? 
How is our auditioning going? This is honestly, this is my job, is to turn people into Wes's. This is like a whole thing. Okay, it. I'm going to say that again, since these were, since I said this one, like oh, everybody for has TVs in yeah. their cars. Okay, so the Vida de Muertos, I would say, is the more cocktail friendly. And the Chichicapa would be the sipper. And the Tobala is, did I say that right? Yeah. Oh, learning so much already. Would be a fun unique bottle to bring to a party or as a gift absolutely but I think this one is said. technically hybrid right what do you mean by hybrid so it can be cocktail or sipper oh yeah i would I say think so. i mean both. again multi-purpose I, yeah do whatever you want with your mezcal i yeah. like this one on its own you know again i think you can often sort of lose the nuance um but I, enjoy your mezcal right drink it how you want it this makes enjoy a, your damn drink yes <laughs> speaking of enjoying things a bunch of people enjoyed Jesse Williams lately. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he is a thespian and he is doing play and Broadway things over in New York. And I think some people saw his stuff and it got out on the internet, he, as, as happens these days, huh? On the same day, he was nominated for a Tony Award. He was on Grey's Anatomy for like 12 years. He is very, very, I don't know, is he handsome, Mark? He's gorgeous. He's beautiful. Oh. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> okay. So the room agrees. And he is doing a play about, he's playing a gay bat baseball player. And Take go, me out to the ball game. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> he's like baseball. Um, and uh, when so you, that's the name of it. Take me out. Yeah. Yeah. And when you. Is um, that the name of the play? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. with him and Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I mean, a bunch of actors. And it's a, got rave reviews. When you walk into the theater, they are confiscating phones, putting them in a phone locker because there is a nude scene. He is full frontal on the stage. And God bless him, first of all, because I feel like who has the balls with Instagram and filters now to do anything live these days? Daniel Radcliffe did it. Remember? Oh, and uh, that means oh, yes. yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, this, this, this was reminding me of that. I mean, yeah. this is, I, I, I grew up on Harry Potter and I'm a geek, as yeah. are like a lot of millennials. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, the, the Gen Zers out there are tired of hearing about it, but proud Slytherin over yeah, here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he, um, he, basically they, no flash photography, anything, someone snuck in a phone and took a photo and put it all over the internet last night. Can't do that, don't come. You Can't put away your phone. Cannot do that. And come. Actors Equity, which is kind of like the union for the theater actors, they put out a scathing message of just if we cannot protect art and, and protect these actors. And honestly, that is without consent. Because mm -hmm. when they went in there, they signed a consent saying that they would not. So I think it's very interesting. Like, what is the fine air? If it's a woman and she's a nudes leak, does the woman get the same reaction? from the unions or people or people are up in arms men specifically are up in arms about this online i saw it because a lot of men were talking about like that's a complete i know yeah, i just thought it was I interesting that a lot of men in particular were angry and a lot of women were elated online last night because and honestly you know women love jesse williams i thought you were gonna say women love the d <laughs> <laughs> most of us do most you, of us you just saw the thought we don't discriminate what you saw was the thought so my thoughts on that i feel like more men are not having it because they're just uncomfortable with a man in front of them so they're just more comfortable with a woman because if it was either way around it's still art to me i just think it's 
goes back to the guy who's receiving the art. You also and have how to they keep feel in mind inside if they're secure or not. Right, I agree. Basic biology, and this is just it is what it is. The junk of the female genitalia is in between your legs. For a male, your junk is out. It is there. There's a reason that on all these HBO, Star, Showtime, and, and even some R-rated films, it's like you can straight up see a naked woman, and they just put a little, what do they call it, a, a merkin? Yeah. They just put a little, yeah. like, they, put, they put a little merkin. So you can't see anything, right? And that is the argument about why it's different that women can be completely naked, and men are either covered by camera, or a sock, or a pillow, or a blanket, or well, an object. Yeah. But lately, Pamela Anderson, his thing was out. Pamela Anderson. That was, that was a robot that was a, penis. That was a robot if penis. you think for a second that that was a real dick mark, we're going to have to have we're a different gonna, conversation Actually, we're going to have to have a whole new episode of just dildos. And we're going to shoot. up and it moves and it talks. Oh, I watched it just for that scene. And, and Mark just said, is it real though? Is it real? Mark is excused. You pour yourself another shot. No, no, wait. Let's do the math here. We have 45%, 48%. Um, and then we have 46. 46. So he's 21.6. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. Thank you, Siri. They, I was just going to say, what is the math of how much percentage? But thanks. <laughs> I, know. I don't think that's right. Also, my, my phone is on, on do not disturb. Yep. This Mercury and retrograde technology yep. thing is real. I am on do not disturb right now. It's right. still doing stuff. I have one. I have one more point to make about that is this. Jesse said that when he was in rehearsals for it and they were like, do you really want to do this? And he's like, it's just a body. It, it, it needs the scene for, for this moment. It actually needs it. If it didn't need it, he felt like he wouldn't have done it. So I feel bad for him because the vulnerability it takes to do anything live actresses will shut down a set. They'll be like, I need the director, the cinematographer, and that's it. Actors no do that too. Yeah. Actors do that yeah. too. Some of them do, yeah. Yeah, some of them do, but I, I just know that with women, and then sometimes you can get hired as a woman. I know Minka Kelly just recently got hired on an HBO show, and then when it came time to shoot her, shoot, shoot her nude scene, she said, I'm uncomfortable, and they just scratched the whole nude. So I do feel like um, it must be mortifying for him because he has a children. A, a, a children. <laughs> How many percentage is the alcohol? <laughs> How much percentage of the alcohol? <laughs> no, but I agree. I agree with you. I it's 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 interesting, right? So we're used to seeing naked women. We see naked women all the time, right? And it's different. But you're right. The external genitalia, right? Like that's and there's judgment around it. Not that there, I mean, of course, there's judgment around women's bodies too. Um, a, a lot of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I come from theater. I, I always thought of theater as a safe space, you know, it's supposed to be sort of this like sacred kind of area. And I didn't know this story. I had not heard this. So that's, yes, it's disappointing. Well, we've been to events where you have to check your phone. I went to a wedding where we had to put our phones in envelopes and I was with you. Were you? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's been more than one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you go and you have to put your phone in an envelope and you have to leave the venue's information with your babysitter, old school style, and say, where is the house phone? And, and call your babysitter and say, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be on my phone. We had to do it like our parents did it. Here is the address. Here is the name of the venue. Here's the phone number for emergencies. And fortunately, you know, it, it didn't come to that for anybody. But... I always think, well, what if somebody had a 
two-way or an iPad mini or a, like an Apple Watch with a with a GPS. I don't know. It just seems so hard to get around that nowadays. It seems hard to just say you have to be completely cut off. I feel like it's only when you choose to be, as in I'm going on vacation and I'm only going to be on my phone from the hours of 7 to 8 a.m. and 9 to 10 p.m. just to let check in and let people know that I'm okay. Mm. It's really hard to force people to disconnect. Well, but this is why... I always say people ruin everything. And I always say this because it's this it's one a very per- broad statement, sure. Sorry, because, <laughs> well, this person just ruined everything. Yeah. Now the theater is like, they, they just installed infrared cameras that they could, they're going to be able Good. to signal and see if Good. someone even has a phone in, in the house. And I'm just like, they have to pay for that stuff. I don't, people, a person can ruin everything because they need validation they need proof that they were there like no one just knows how to go somewhere and just show up you know what drives me bananas these days when you go to a concert or a festival or any live performance and you could be super close to the stage i'm talking about 10 12 15 feet from the stage and you can barely see because everyone and their mom all you do is you look up and you see iphone 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 the weirdo with the galaxy Sorry, that was a bad joke, and we may, we may edit that out later. But <laughs> let me put it this way. All you see is phone, 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 phone. And these people are rocking out with their phones over, the, it's, it, over their heads, and it just makes me every single time go, can we not, can we just put our phone away for a little bit. If you have to go to the bathroom and you want to check on your people or your kids or your grandma, great. But do you have to block everyone's view with your phone? And I, can you not just be present in the moment for a few minutes? Well, I think it's generational. I think I listened to Beyonce and Jen Jackson just recently performed in at the horse races this past weekend. And she said, imagine how she feels when people would just be staring at her and her choreography was so clean because she knew there were 50,000 eyeballs on her, watching her hair flick, her pinky flick. They knew the choreography better than her. And now she's like, when I perform, it's just a very weird, strange thing. I don't feel as much energy as I used to because the energy is going into like scrolling, getting the thing. And then as she's moving, they're like talking to their friend, but then also she's like, and it's honestly changed performing. Beyonce's spoken about it. Um, And then Lady Gaga's like, oh, I love cell phones. Because she came up in a time Interesting. where she was like, without those cell phones, I wouldn't be Lady Gaga because they put me online. Those okay. kids put YouTubes up for me. I have another one too, and I'm gonna. I want everybody's opinion on this. It drives me bananas when you go to a nice dinner or a restaurant that's hard to get into, or someone that you haven't seen in a while, and everyone (laughs) is sitting there on their phone. And I hate the QR code menu, just give me an old school menu, because now you're sitting there and everyone at the table has their head down and is just doing this, and just stay home. Why are you going to dinner if you're not gonna interact with the people at the table? It does force you, the QR codes do force you into your phone, even if you weren't going to Technically it doesn't, but okay. (laughs) I asked for a paper menu. I mean, I appreciate, I've worked in restaurants that printed, you know, look, there's an environmental thing too, right? That printed hundreds of menus every single day because the menu would change, right? And we would just toss them, just throw them away. But paper is recyclable. Yes. It is. Um, I'm not saying all restaurants do that. (laughs) Right. Or also like taking photos of your meal. It's like, number one, none of you guys are food bloggers. 
eat your Branzino, eat it in peace. But Mark, my Branzino that I just posted was actually pretty. And you commented on the fact that my Branzino was cute. But no, also, saying, if you are a food blogger, you can still take the photo and then put your phone away. away. When you look around and people have their phone on the table. And listen, I got a kid, I got a babysitter. What I will do is I will glance at my phone maybe every 45 minutes just to make sure that I don't see my babysitter has texted me. Everything else can wait. If you're choosing to spend time with people, you're choosing to carve out time out of your day and book a babysitter and take time away from work, maybe your husband, maybe he's with you, I don't know, whatever. Or if you're just saying, you know what, I'm going to take this time to fill up my social cup and my culinary cup, right, I'm going to do this for me, then what are you doing on your phone? What are you doing on Instagram? You can post that that picture, the Branzino, you can post when you get home. Well, going out's expensive, right? I mean, we live in L.A., right? Oh. It's, it's a whole Honestly, thing. it's just easier for me to put my phone away. Like, I don't yeah. have anyone at home except a dog. He's situated. I'm just like, you guys are my people right now. Right. <laughs> so it's easy for me to it's take true. my phone. It's true. Yeah. But like, I truly like enjoying the moment, though. It's true. I feel like sometimes enjoying the moment nowadays involves some sort of photo to commit. Like, sometimes we'll get mad. If we, we're having too too much fun, we forget to take a photo. We're like, damn it. And now that's a bad thing because you didn't commemorate it. You, you don't have anything that reminds you or say, look how much fun we were having. It shows everybody else how much fun I we're having. Know. Well, you also can just take the photo for you. It's sometimes fun to keep it for a birthday card or as something 10 years down the line. That happens sometimes. I'm not saying that you can't touch your phone. I'm not saying that you can't take a photo. I just, in my opinion, when you sit there and you keep your phone on the table, there are exceptions to every rule. For example, if you sat down and you said, guys... I am waiting on X. And you tell people that, fine, I'll give it to you if it's a one-off. Yes. But to have your phone on the phone or, or on the table, on the ready, like something more important is going to happen. I just think more than anything, you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're taking away from your ability to be present with the people that you chose to be with. I agree. I, but I do like this move. I Sometimes I'll be in a meeting or whatever and my phone will be face up on the table and something will come up and I'll turn it over. They'll see me turn it over. I'm like, that's a good move. Yeah, it's a yeah, good move. It's like, I'm giving you my undivided. I saw who it was. It wasn't important. I usually You're more just important. hide my phone. Like, if, But if it's a lunch date or happy hour, I'm like, hey, I will grab my phone. Just I have a cancellation or if I need to book somebody or it's like work related, then I'll let you know. Like I'll preface you and let you know that I'm bringing my phone out often. So this isn't just me. There's not an overwhelming, nope, I like to be connected. I like to no. be on my phone. Do you think this is more generational? It's, this gener is more it's generational. Generation, because I feel like if we talk to a bunch of 21-year-olds, they'd say fuck Are off. You, <laughs> my, some of my friends, their kids, they take their phone away. It's almost like, that's a withdrawal. That's my girlfriend, that is withdrawal? That's not normal behavior because you took away her iPad and her cell phone. Well, yeah, I mean, they say like the, what happens in their anybody's brains, like when you get a like or whatever, it's a dopamine hit, you know? Yeah. So it really is withdrawal. Ooh, that is sad. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no social media for the babes, you know? Well, on that note, we're going to cheers it up. We're going to wrap it up. Jen, any mezcal tips for our first timers out there? I think cocktails are the portal into mezcal. I, I you know, again, I, I think they're beautiful in cocktails. Um, but if you want to get into sippers, like try something like chichicapa. Make sure that you're getting a quality mezcal because bad mezcal, it's like anything, bad mezcal is really bad. Bad tequila is really bad, right? It can really sort of shape your experience and your thoughts on it. So just, you know, it's worth doing a little research, I think. Um, but I think it's a beautiful category. I think you have to build up to it a little. I don't know when you all had mezcal for the first time, but, you know, it's a little 
shocking at first, I think, but you, it's like scotch or anything, you sort of build it up. Um, yeah, just keep trying things. I really think there's a mezcal for everybody. I really think that. I love yes. that. There is, and there's a tequila journey for everybody. Guys, thank you for joining us at Team Tequila Talks. Like, subscribe, do all the things. Share with your friends. Put it on the background during happy hour. All the things that you know how to do. Cheers to that. Thank you. Thank you, Jen, for Jen, joining thanks us. thanks for having us. Wait, what, what, do we say again? what do we say again? Oh, CG Bayou. CG Bayou. So, Jen, my first time having my smell was after Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.